0: Fun show lined up. We have football and fighting. Talking NFL. It's the NFC Championship game. The Lions. I've adopted this team. I wasn't even in on Jared Goff until I stumbled into this thought. Wait a minute. The Rams kicked him to the curb. Messy divorce. That's our guy. But all those St. Louis connections. And it is just sort of a fun story. I don't know if it's Cubs-esque or not. But the fact that the lowly Lions are going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. So Dan Miller is our guest. He is the radio voice of the Detroit Lions, been doing it close to 20 years. He's also the sports director at the Fox Affiliate in Detroit. Used to have him on the radio years ago, and I feel like we were always just saying, so what's the deal with the Lions? Why are they so bad? But much more fun this time around. Dan Miller on the show, and then the fighting portion will be Devin Alexander, former welterweight champion from St. Louis, you've seen and heard from him over the years, still a young guy, he's like 36 and we've been covering him for 20 plus years and he's doing some great things in the community now, trying to get kids off the street, trying to get them in the gym, using boxing as a vehicle for after school activity, he has an event at Harris Stowe that's coming up on April 6th, I know in the past he was able to partner with Roy Jones Jr. who's shown up for some of his events, so Devin will talk about his career working for Don King, which is always a hot-button topic for people in the boxing world, uh, but also what he hopes can happen on uh, some of these tough streets in St. Louis by using boxing as a vehicle. Worked for him, almost made it to the Olympics, and then went pro and uh, won a ton of fights. Boy, his, his amateur record's insane. 300 wins, 10 losses. So Devin Alexander, Dan Miller out of Detroit, on our show tonight, we have Billiken Basketball going on as we speak. Can they break through and get a win against Davidson? Because if they don't, every loss that piles up, it's just going to get a little uglier. Which brings us to Mizzou, who is now 0-6 in the SEC. I want to ask Brendan weesey about this later. The roster just seems so random. And all of a sudden, there's a guy named, I already forgot, was it Curtis Jones or somebody making a three? I'm like, wait a minute, who's that? And there's a guy named Butler. Playing. I'm like, wait a minute, who's that? It's just a strange season for Mizzou basketball because you don't feel like you really know who they are. And maybe it is, in fact, just a bit of a transition year. Blue's got an exciting win in Calgary. We talked about this stretch on this road trip where if they were going to make any kind of playoff push, got to beat Calgary, got to beat Seattle. You got Vancouver tonight. They're the beasts right now in the Pacific and in the West. So you may not beat Vancouver, but these teams you're chasing like Calgary and like Seattle, got to get those wins. They did. come back, win. They were down 3-1. They end up winning the game 4-3. And even when the team has a letdown of a season, it's fun to have some win- games like that that you win. I mean, you don't want it to be a total drag. And that was a lot of fun. Cairo tied it. Sod won it. But the biggest goal may have been Braden Shen late in the second period. They're down 3-1. You're about to go to intermission down 3-1, and he gets a shorthanded goal. And the Blues are really good at that. For whatever reason, they lead the NHL in shorthanded goals. So tonight in Vancouver, you heard us talk about that matchup with Darren Pang yesterday. We'll get to it. We've got some great conversation headed your way. Dan Miller from Detroit and then Devin Alexander. And joining us from Detroit, the voice of the Lions, Dan Miller. He's been calling Detroit Lions games on the radio since 2005. He has seen a lot. He's also the sports director at Fox 2. Wait a minute, that's my station. No, there's a Detroit Fox two. Dan is on the line. First of all, congratulations. This has been so much fun to watch from afar. You talk about a franchise in a city that deserves this. How much fun for you after I know it's it's been a long ride?
1: It yeah, has, Martin, I appreciate it. It's um you know, it's been just great to see these fans get, you know, some love back to a franchise that they have given a lot to for a long time and, and really not gotten a lot of payoff in terms of success or, you know, postseason or just really a lot of gut punches along the way and a lot of disappointment along the way. But I think people felt like it was building to this direction and this new group that has come in is doing things the right way. And I think that this is where people anticipated it was ultimately heading. They just didn't know how quickly it would get here. But the, the feeling that this group was going to be successful really started midway through last year when they got on the run and it's continued through this year, and now this playoff success, it's it's just been electric in Detroit.
0: Can you get a sense, I know you're there in Detroit, but how much the country is sort of, I'm not saying everybody's automatically a Lions fan, but I don't know anybody who's rooting against them at this point, knowing their story. I looked it up, it was, I don't have to tell you this, but since 1962, in the postseason, the Lions were 1-12, and and now they've won twice in back-to-back weeks. Do you get the sense that there's a little more than Detroit paying attention to this story?
1: I do, yeah, and and it's you know we we haven't harmed anybody in a long time, so I think there's a lot of people that you know <laughs> kind of can relate to our story, and you know if you want to call it Cubs-esque, it's fine, whatever you want to call it. But um, and I think we have a really likable team. I think it started with hard knocks last year. I think people really kind of saw Dan Campbell and liked the way that he presents himself, and that hasn't changed, certainly. He's a colorful guy, and uh, I think he's a guy that that you feel like you can relate to in a lot of different cases. So, um, you know, Jared Goff is a great story based on what he's been through, and look, we got an exciting team with guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs and, and big play guys, and we've been on national TV a bunch this year and put on good shows in one game, so... I think we're a team that, that, that is likable, and I think that's part of it. I think it's certainly our path, but I think it's also what this team represents and, and the way that they have presented themselves this year.
0: How did the Dan Campbell hire go over locally at the time when he was hired? What do people think?
1: You know, when he was hired, it was uh, his opening press conference. It was really unfortunate that most people in the national media took 15 or 30 seconds of it where he talked about fighting kneecaps and applied that to his entire press conference. Um, his press conference was one of the best I've ever heard. It was 90 minutes, and it was outstanding. And we've heard a lot of press conferences here between our teams not doing well and new coaches coming in and selling their visions and things like that. I mean, he just knocked it out of the park. He said everything that the Detroit fans needed to hear. He understands his city. He played here. So that was certainly an advantage. But um, I, I think when he came in, the moment he appeared on camera and kind of gave people his vision of where he wanted this thing to go, I think people were sold. Now, look, it was rough. They were thirty thirteen and won the first year and sitting at one and six his second year. So that's not to say that there weren't doubts, but you know, the, around the country where people made fun of him and questioned his intelligence and things like that, that didn't happen here. That was just ill informed people around the country who saw literally you know, about 1% of an entire press conference and said, oh, this guy's a knucklehead."
0: head. And how about the trade? So you get Matthew Stafford, longtime Lions, shipped out, Jared Goff. The Rams are sort of saying, we're going for it and we can't win the big one with this guy sort of implied or maybe even said. How did that trade go down since Stafford was so ensconced in Detroit?
1: I think people understood that it had run its course with Matthew and that this was a rebuild. and He wasn't up for another one of those. He'd been through enough of them. So I think it was... You know, the the golf part was kind of the the part that people didn't know, because you're right, he had been, in essence, ushered out of Los Angeles for not being the guy and not being the right player and, and not being McVay's guy. So nobody kind of, there were doubts about what the Lions were getting, but the guys that didn't doubt it were Brad Holmes and Ray Agner, two of the guys that had been with him and drafted him in L.A. And, and had been the guys that believed that he could actually be the quarterback here. So... Um, I think Lions fans were kind of taking a wait and see attitude or skeptical, to be honest with you.
0: Had to sting a little bit to see Stafford win, even though, you know, it had run its course and people were probably okay with him leaving. How much did that sting for Lions fans? Oh, now he goes and he's able to win one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, a number of Lions fans that were happy for him. But look, I mean, there is a certain, you know, I, I, I think in some ways it was good for the organization to see that, you know what? get this thing right because you had a guy that can win a Super Bowl and you didn't do it. You didn't even come close. You didn't even win a playoff game. So I think, yeah, it was a, it was a smack in the face and it was it was a reality check and it was, you know, kind of like, man, this is kind of typical Lions. You trade a guy and he goes wins the Super Bowl, but, you know, sometimes those things are good because if there is any sort of comfort zone it takes you out of it, but I think they had left it by then and, and handed the franchise to new people, but, um you know, it, it, there, there was, you know, kind of a life lesson there that, that you did have a guy, and that guy did go win one, and he was yours, and you didn't do it with him. So start figuring things out here. But like I said, in fairness, they were already on their way to doing
0: that. Dan Miller, voice of the Detroit Lions, longtime TV radio in Detroit. Lions, of course, at the 49ers this Sunday on Fox, NFC Championship game. Kevin Burkhart on the show tomorrow to talk about the big matchup. How about for you over the years – and locally Steve Savard had to deal with this with the Rams when the team's just sort of bad many years in a row did, how do you stay up each week do you just I mean I hate to say game by game cuz it's such a cliche but I, do you just get into that particular Sunday matchup even if the team's 2 and 12
1: I think that's exactly what it is and I mean it's you know uh, it's not the games the games are a story unto themselves there's a play happening in front of you and you call it and that takes you through 60 minutes of football in three hours in the afternoon. And it's, you know, we went through 0-16 and my partner, Jim Branstad, and I used to just, we said it a thousand times that season. We'd just look at each other and we'd say, call the next play. And, you know, people always say to me, well, how do you do the games? when they're that?" But it's not the games. It's everything you have to do during the week. It's dealing with players and coaches that are not happy, that don't want to joke around, that don't want to have fun. You're asking them questions they've been asked a million times, and if they had the answers to them, they'd do something about it. So it's it, it's really during the week when you have to turn all the content that is part of your job that is the difficult part when the team isn't playing well. Doesn't mean the games are are you know puppies and rainbows, but it's at least something different that takes on a story of its own, and you tell that story. It's all the other stuff that surrounds it that can become difficult.
0: I know since you've been in Detroit. Uh, the Red Wings had a great run. The Tigers have had some World Series experiences. I think you got there after the Bad Boys and the Pistons, but how does this Lions mania compare to anything else in terms of the town getting wrapped up in it?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's significant. I mean, look, it, the, the Red Wings winning it was massive. The Pistons, you know, I was here for the going to work Pistons in 04. Mm-hmm. They won it. It was massive. You know, we had parades and, you know, however many hundreds of thousands or million people were down there and it was incredible. But there's just something different about the NFL and there's something different about the fact that this team is, you know, before this won one playoff game since nineteen fifty seven, never been to a Super Bowl. So there's so much pent up emotion that these people have that just comes pouring out when you have a situation like this that um that's what you're seeing now. It's this excitement. It is this absolute, you know, wave of emotions that people have that um, they've waited so long for. So, look, there, there's something with the NFL that's the most powerful brand. There's something with the shield um, that just makes it different. And it's not to take away from anything else that's happened. It's just uh, I think when it comes to sports leagues around the country, it's really tough to top the NFL and the emotions that
0: it brings out in people. How do you think the Lions will handle it this Sunday? Certainly the Niners are at home. I mean, they've got they're the top seed. But – there's still going to be pressure on Detroit to kind of take it, as you said, never been to a Super Bowl, take it to that next level. How do you think they handle that that element?
1: Yeah, I don't know how much that plays in. I mean, look, they've played two playoff games. They haven't trailed. Both games came down to the final plays. Every single possession counted. These, these guys have kind of been battle-tested at this point, and not to say that there's not more on the line this time than there is, but look, these guys have just kind of proven themselves since really October 30th of last year. They haven't lost two games in a row. They don't stay down long. They just continue to fight and they just find a way to get it done. So um, I don't know how that translates into winning or losing but um, if, if, I, if they lose it won't be because the stage is too big. I think they're ready for this. I, I think they're up against a really good team and they could play a really good game and still lose. But um, I think for the Lions it comes down to doing the things that, that they've done that have made them successful. Don't turn the ball over. You know, find a way to just play clean. If you go back and look at what they've done, and you know, winning eight out of ten last year, going twelve and five this year, then winning two playoff games. It's not rocket science, but when they turn the ball over, they tend to lose. When they don't, they tend to win, and it's really been pretty clear on both sides of that. Now, that's that's kind of the way it works around the NFL. But they go into San Francisco and cough it up a couple times, and give up possessions, give points to their defense or short field. It's going to be a long day, but if they play the way that they normally play when they win, it's going to be a really interesting day.
0: We've dubbed them the St. Louis Lions. You have Jamison Williams. Jack Fox has been there a number of years. They let Riley Patterson go. We got over that. Uh, Sam Laporta, local kid as well. Tell me about Laporta's season. I mean, just monstrous when you talk about passing up Keith Jackson and other rookie tight ends. We talked to his family and his high school coach yesterday. It's kind of fun how our area has sort of adopted all of these local kids on the Lions. Let's start with Laporta. What, what was the impact that you expected and then what you actually got?
1: really know what to expect. It's a tough position to come in and play well right off the bat, but Sam has been really mature beyond his years. He's looked comfortable from the second he walked in. He's, he's, it's funny because he's kind of a goofy kid. He's always got a smile on his face. Then when he gets out there, he's just going to knock you down and bowl you over. He's, he's got, he just kind of flips when he goes out on the field. and It's fun to watch, but um, he's been a huge part of this team's success. Jared Goff trusts him. Got great hands. He's got great ability to run after the catch, uh, and and just the the quickness with which he has caught on to what it takes to be successful in this league has been really. It's unusual. It's it's a hard position because you have you know pass protection responsibilities, you have pass game responsibilities, run game responsibilities, and a lot of guys kind of swim around for the first year and then figure it out. He's hit the ground running, and um, like I said, just been a huge part of everything that's happened here, and I think. You know, in a tight-end, rich draft, the Lions are really happy with their guy.
0: And I know Jamison Williams battled injuries, then he was suspended. It, it feels like the career hasn't quite gotten to that level that I think we know is there. But I guess on occasion, you still see it, right? The big play potential.
1: No doubt. And he's doing things the right way. I mean, he's, he's really... I think he has just found himself mentally and, and dug in, and he's fighting for everything he's getting. There's no doubt the talent is there. Um, the production and the numbers may not be there yet, but every play he's out there, he's a threat to take that thing to distance. He's got, his speed is otherworldly, and he's just, um, I've been so impressed just the way that I've seen him grow up in just the time that he's been here in terms of approaching his craft, uh, dealing with the media, dealing with everything around him. He's just, I think he's a different guy than when he walked in the door, and he wasn't a bad guy when he walked in the door, but... Uh, I've just seen so much growth in him that that I think it's fantastic, and I think he's still um, there's so much in front of him that 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 he can be such a big time player in this league.
0: I've always said you talk about confidence. Jamison Williams doesn't get the ball enough at Ohio State, so instead of going down a a notch or two, he says, "You know what I'll do? I'll just go to Alabama and play." And like and then showed the world how good he could be. Uh, how about the punter? who you probably hope to not see in action at all. No offense to Jack Fox, but uh, he's been there longer than the rest and made it to a Pro Bowl along the way.
1: Yeah, we love Foxy. He's unbelievable. I mean, he was so big in that game last week. And, you know, three punts inside the 20 and, and you know, pinning him inside right at the 10-yard line so they had to go 90 yards on that final possession. He's just, um, you know, Bill Belichick said it well. He's one of the biggest weapons in the league. I mean, you know he can throw back there Former high school quarterback. We've seen him do it here. Now teams are kind of waiting for it, but, uh, he's an excellent holder. Uh, he's an outstanding punter. Uh, he's just, he's the highest paid punter in the league for a reason. I assume he still is, but, uh, they just love him here. And he just, he, everything you ask of him, he does and he does well.
0: All right, let's end on this. Brad Holmes, the GM. You mentioned Ragnew, a couple of guys I know from their St. Louis Rams days. Brad started as an intern. We had Orlando Pace on. He's like, man, you remember Brad running around there? I think he was like a PR intern, climbed the ranks, made the move to L.A. How about not just the job he's done, but maybe even were there critics when he got hired? What did they know? What did they expect?
1: I don't think there were really critics because I don't think people knew what to expect. Um, I think there were some questions about, you know, he had been kind of stationed in Atlanta and wasn't in the building in Los Angeles or something. And there were some questions about that, but look very quickly, you know, this guy made the Stafford trade and dove right in. And that's not an easy way to start. I think people loved his drafts right off the bat. They love his enthusiasm and his record speaks for itself. He's just been outstanding. And the backbone of this team are the guys that he's brought in here. And, uh, he has uh, given Lions fans a reason to believe, because for a long time we didn't draft good players, we didn't develop good players, and now we're drafting good players and developing them. And they have to go hand-in-hand, because hand if you're not doing that, then you're trying to do it with free agency, and that doesn't work. So, you know, Brad's got a vision, he shares it with Dan, they work together in lockstep, and, and those guys have been great. Brad's uh you know, Brad won't have to buy many meals around here anytime soon, I can promise
0: you that. <laughs> and how about for you on Sunday? If they get it done, all those years in Detroit, all those years on the call with the Lions, what do you think that moment would be like? I've
1: dreamed about it. I mean, I think we all have. I think anybody who's a Lions fan has. But it's, um, you know, you sit here four quarters away from maybe going to a Super Bowl, That that's a pretty special thing. And to think about being in that game, um, when you were really uh, the butt of jokes and the laughing stock for a long time. It, you know, it's a great source of pride. And I just, honestly, it's it's the best part of my job is seeing these fans happy and everything that they're able to enjoy right now and to see what it would be like and think about what it would be like. And from, from this to see it go up exponentially more, if you were to make that next game, would be just amazing. So, look, it's nothing I haven't seen in my mind. Now we're just going to find out if we can make it a reality on Sunday.
0: Dan, thanks so much for the time. Uh, I think the last time we talked, it might have been when they were 0-16. Much better circumstances, and uh, best of luck to you and the Lions. Appreciate it, Bart. Thanks, man. Great to talk to Dan Miller. Been a long time happy for people like that who have been doing their job, covering a team, announcing for a team, and just never have that breakthrough season or big wins, and they're having fun in Detroit right now. We know they have fun down at the pitch with City Park. Soccer season is back. City SC will be playing soon, and that means the Pitch, Tavern, and Athletic Club, that spot will be rocking and rolling yet again. It's always rocking and rolling with a great lunch menu, great place for happy hour, but especially during City SC games, that place comes alive right across the street. It is the Pitch, Athletic Club, and Tavern. Great spot to watch any of the soccer, whether you're into the Champions League, the Premier League, Bundesliga, whatever you're into, This is the soccer hangout now in St. Louis. It's been that way for about a year. Right there at Union Station, it's on the west side. Walk out the front door, you will see City Park directly across the street. The latest creation from Bob and Steve O'Loughlin. Such a cool spot. What a great idea. And if you don't have tickets to a game to see City play, welcome to the club. It's going to be a tough year again. Trying to get tickets, just go down and hang out at the pitch. It's so much fun, all the... Hoopla and the festivities before the game, after the game. It's a place to just hang out. If you don't have tickets, it's the next best thing. It's The Pitch right there on the west side of Union Station. If you want to check it out online, it's thepitch-stl.com. We're going to talk boxing right now. In studio, the champ, Devin Alexander, Alexander the Great, with us. 36 professional fights, 27 wins, 14 by knockout. So i got to watch myself. If I get out of line... <laughs> That left hand's coming across the table, I believe. You're ding deb- ding ding. How are you, my man? Good How to see going, you. How's it going, Martin, my man? You look like you really let yourself go. What I are did. you are you at your boxing weight right now? <laughs> I am. I exactly. Am. Yes. Yeah, I got Do you monitor I, it closely, like a pound here, a pound there?
2: Yes. It's a lifestyle. So uh this older guy always told me, You gotta stay in shape. You gotta make working out a part of your lifestyle. Because I did notice a lot of fighters, when they do stop fighting, they just
0: balloon. Yes,
2: yeah, like, and and I think that's too because they're so used to the weighing in and weighing in all the time that they just want to eat all the time. And, <laughs> and I get it, but I just can't, you know, especially for health wise, too. I can't do it.
0: Well, it's great to have you here. We'll talk about the career. We'll also talk about the event that's coming up. And you've been doing more of this. I know in the fall you had an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a gym going right now? You got a gym open?
2: So I am working on uh, my first boxing gym. It's called the Devin Alexander Sports Foundation. And it is in the midst of being open. Uh, we are trying to get some partners together and finish the project Um it's going to be a nice gym. It's going to be a, a, a one-stop shop for kids because I always said I wanted a, a rec center, but a, this gym that I got will do just fine. Uh, I wanted to help the kids. I want to make sure these kids got somewhere to go because I had a place to go. I didn't, have a, I, I didn't have to worry about somewhere after school where I can go to have fun or whatever. So I want to facilitate that with the kids now because they don't have too many places to go. So, yes, it's going to be called the Devin Alexander Sports Foundation.
0: Where will that be? Is it going to be out west? North County. North County, County,
2: yes. North County. uh, Actually, uh, a couple of uh, policemen, St. Louis County, reached out to me and said, man, I am so happy you are bringing something positive to this neighborhood because it's well needed. And th- that made me feel good because I, I, that's what I want. That's the type of message I want.
0: And you grew up in Hyde Park. That's a tough neighborhood. When did you start boxing? I know Kevin Cunningham famously was training with you and with Corey Spinks. How did you find your way into a boxing ring? So so when, when
2: I first went to the boxing gym, my mom wouldn't let me because <laughs> I, I was a kid from North St. Louis – who um, was around a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of violence. And my mom's like, no. (laughs) So she let my brother go first, my two big brothers go first. So she finally let me go after I think it was like three weeks. She let me go. I said, yes, she let me go. So I I walked straight across the street. It was a uh, police station. It was the old police station. And she let me go. And Kevin said I was just smiling from ear to ear. My first day. He just see this kid is going to enjoy boxing. So, and the first day became the rest of my life.
0: How old were you? Do you remember? Seven years old. Seven years Seven. old. Oh, my god! Couldn't even fight. <laughs> I couldn't fight.
2: I couldn't compete. You got to be eight years old to compete as an amateur.
0: And then your amateur record, if correct, yeah. was 300 wins versus Ten losses. Does that sound right? Yes, it is. Three hundred and then ten. How'd you lose those 10? Uh, right, ten? Three Three hundred. Right, right. It,
2: it, oh it was God. early in my career. Okay. It was earlier uh, when I first became amateur. And I hated losing, especially in amateurs. I hated losing. Uh, so that's why I worked so hard. I worked so hard. Plus, I was a decorated amateur. It's hard to get uh, over 300 fights. But they kept me busy every week. And each tournament, you know, you got to fight every day. Monday through Fridays, you you got to fight every day, and you got to win every day to get the championship.
0: What was the early goal? Was it always professional boxing or was it Olympics? What was your original goal as a younger boxer?
2: That's a good question, Martin. So, so when I first started boxing, I did not expect it to turn out to this. I I, did, I was just a kid just going into a boxing gym trying it out, you know, didn't think I was, I didn't I didn't even watch Mike Tyson when I was, you know, when I first went to the boxing gym. I didn't even watch boxing, period, when I first went to the gym. But when I got into it, I I began to love it, and I got to studying it, and uh, that that's how it all started with um, boxing. So then it turned into me winning my first national title at nine years old. Then. I um, won my first Junior Olympics at 15, and then I got older. I turned open. I won my first Golden Gloves ter- national tournament, and then um, I was able to go to the 2004 Olympics. I made it to the Olympic trial finals, and I lost. That was around the time too. I can remember playing day. Was my, a decision, my, right? Uh, yes, my dad was dying. I, 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 I. That was the one thing that I. I could have burst my heart I was training so hard because I wanted I wanted my daddy to see that. I wanted him to see me to go to the Olympics. But that didn't happen. I lost Awfully the close. Yeah. It was close. I thought I thought I won. Uh Olympic boxing is a lot of political. Uh they wanted to save me for the two thousand and eight Olympics. But Kevin didn't go for it and we just turned pro, so uh, I thought I won though. I thought I won.
0: So you said you started watching or studying boxing once you got into it. Yeah. I would think you, your style, your size was Sugar Ray Leonard, somebody you liked watching because I mean that to me kind of fits. Yes,
2: that's he's a speed fighter. Uh Pernell Whitaker was mm-hmm. a, was another favorite of mine cuz I was I was a lefty too. I'm a southpaw. Um Sugar Ray Lantern. Uh I love Mar- Marvin Hagler for yeah. some reason, too. He was just vicious in there. Well, whoever you fight, he's going to come all night. So, um, and Muhammad Ali. Um, I like Rocky Marciano because he was just another one that just kept going. You had to be in shape. Yeah. You had to be in shape to do that, to come every round. You come in hard, nonstop. So, I – I fell in love with that type of fight. Well, the style.
0: welterweight, middleweights, those guys—Hagler, Thomas Hearns, uh, Duran, yeah. and Leonard. I mean, those the, to me, and I know the heavyweights get to all the publicity, but those mm. were like the best. That era of boxing was the best because it just kept cycling over because it would go from Hagler and went from Duran and Leonard to Hagler and Hearns. You would just have all these great guys that were kind of the middle class, but they were great boxers. They didn't mm. just you know, God bless Jerry Cooney, but he's going to stand around and wait to just deck somebody like you're at the <laughs> neighborhood bar, you <laughs> yeah, know? that's yeah. I mean, And there is a skill to it. People probably cut you guys short as athletes say, oh, you're just punching somebody in the head. Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a lot of skill that's oh, going
2: man. on. Oh, man, this is why, too, I recommend boxing for all young boys because it, it not only teaches them discipline, it teaches them that they're not the baddest people we have. Especially if it's a trouble kid, that kid like to fight, that kid that like to get in trouble, or just think they hard. I rem- I recommend box for all boys because it's just not about punching. You gotta have restraint to let somebody hit you as hard as they hit me, and be like, okay, I'm not gonna lose my cool. Let me let me stick try- to the plan. Yes, <laughs> let me stick to the plan and give my shot back twice as hard. And that's, and that's why I say I recommend Box for all young boys. It helps. First of all, it saves lives, too, especially in the city where you got a lot of violence, got a lot of drugs. It saves lives. That's why I tell, I, like, I'm, I am am. Tra- I do personal training now, and I tell a lot of single moms, bring your boys. Bring your boys, you will see a difference in them in about a month. In about a month, you're going to see a different attitude a different demeanor because they're going to find out man let me just i ain't as good as i thought i was so let me just calm down and stop being bad
0: is it an outlet too i mean kids that might have some rage or angry at life or circumstance this gives them a place to go and kind of literally let it out
2: yes indeed i i i i don't know if i should be saying this on my own on the oh it's just you and me it's fine but but uh I I was trying to do this invention where, you know, it's a small bag where a kid, if a kid has an anger problem, take it out. She start hitting that bag. It's like a portable thing. And start hitting because it helps coming to the gym, being able to hit something. Because all kids, some kids are going to have that short temper fuse. And it's a lot of young kids in jail right now for quick thinking and quick uh, trigger finger and getting upset. And that will really help if they bring them to the gym, you mad? Go hit that bag as much as you want. Afterwards, I promise you, they're not even going to remember why they're mad because they'll be so tired. They're going (laughs) to be so out of wind. They'll be like,
0: no, I ain't mad no more, whatever. You should invent that because think about it. Grandma has the stress ball. She can squeeze or whatever. The young kids get the, the bag to punch. Devin Alexander, our guest on the Killcoin Conversation, former welterweight champion from St. Louis, always wearing the STL gear. Always. um, (laughs) Went to Vashon High School, so that's as St. Louis as it gets right there. Has an event coming up. This is at Harris Stowe, uh, and and I love the little mantra here, Fight in the Ring, Not in the Neighborhood. It's April 6th, so it's coming up before you know it. Tell us about this event.
2: Okay, uh, April 6th is going to be my second show. Always wanted to throw shows, Martin. I always, I've told God that if he was to put me in a position to affect change and give me a platform to help these kids, I'm going to come back and do whatever I can to try to stop these kids from getting in trouble and stop this killing and stop this fight. I'm going to do what I can to use my platform to do it. So at this point in my career, I think it's so important that I come back and try to do shows, try to give these kids a platform to fight on that's big. Uh, my first show had Roy Jones Jr. They were so excited to fight in front of him. Um, he's coming back April 6th again. Um Harris-Stowe. April,
0: April 6th. So and um, do you have kids already signed up that are going to box? or Are yes, you looking for people? Okay, yes, so you've got it, the show put together. Not yet. Not all. Well, like, I mean, you're we, lining. We just announced. What yeah. we want is for people to go to this yes. and to attend. Okay.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We want We want just to – the kids feel so amazing to hear the crowd roar for them because they, they're not used to hearing that. And when you look up and see your family out there, people cheering you on, that gives you motivation to keep going, to stay in the gym. And that's the that's the reasoning behind it. I'm team there with the Urban League, um, James Clark. Um, and they are helping me facilitate this fight with Harris, though. Um, they have been a tremendous and amazing partner with me. They believe in my mission, and I appreciate the Urban League for even – Coming on board and and seeing my vision with the shows and everything, uh, but it's go, it's a show where we invite all the Midwest, all the Midwest cities, all the top amateurs. So like, the, if to, there's a
0: boxing club in Chicago or Kansas City or Cincinnati yes. or wherever, they'll send some of their top boxers. Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: They they so I have a matchmaker. They're gonna reach out to the matchmaker. The matchmaker gonna match. Whoever, whatever weight they are, with another city, another state, um, and they're gonna we're gonna create about 15 to 20 bouts the night of the fight. And the first fight was amazing. It was it was almost a sellout uh, crowd. They received the message well: fighting in the ring, not in the neighborhood. That that's that's uh that's that's just not a slogan. That's something that I really feel passionate about because I'm not fighting for free. I tell kids all this time, all the time, they out here fighting in the schools and fighting in bars and clubs, and you're doing it for free. Right. And you making an enemy at, at the same time. I'm not fighting for free. You might as well go in there. If you want to fight and if you love fighting, you might as well do it legally, which is get in there and box with a sanctioned. Um, fight and if you that's what you want to do, instead of getting out here and fighting with your bare hands, getting in trouble, getting locked up, come to the ring, box, and get in my show.
0: April sixth at yeah. Harris Stowe. Where do people get tickets for the event?
2: So uh we just started I put I just put the save the day flyer out. Okay. Um two days ago. Uh, beginning February first, the teams can send in their uh their roster for my matchmaker Earl McWilliams to put together the match and then um i think march tickets will go on sale well, maybe we, before maybe Okay before. we can remind yeah. him as we get closer but yes.
0: for right now Put it in the back of your brain. Same weekend, Cardinals come home. The home opener's that Thursday. It'll be a fun sports yes, weekend yes. downtown. And this is at Stowe, which is right next to the cool new soccer stadium. Yes. A night of boxing. Look at you turning into the next Don King, putting yes. on a show. <laughs> Did you stay? It wasn't his house you lived in in Vegas, or he provided a house? Yes. What were your interactions with Don King like? World-famous Don King.
2: World-famous Don King. So... Before I met Don King, I had a lot. He had a lot of negative connotation to him. It's like um, a lot of people dogged his name. Like he had a lot of saying he was a He robbed fighters. He he stole money from people. He's a killer. Me personally, and I and I've been promoted with. Uh, I think it was five years. I was with them with a promotional deal. And I, I received every dollar I was owed, everything he tell, told me that I was going to get, he gave to me. So Don King was a, is a great person to me. His personality is you great. You had no bad experience. No, yeah. no. To me.
0: Now, he did kill a guy and he went to jail. Though. Yes, so that's, yes. That's, that yes, is that's factual. That's true. That's
2: true. But, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's uh, but me personally, I didn't. See anything? I, I um, every time I saw him, he was he was upbeat, uh, colorful. As you know, I'm pretty sure you talked oh, to yeah. him. Uh, nice guy. Nice guy will give you anything that I that I seen. I know a lot of everybody' experiences different, but I got every dollar, everything, and he's. I thought he was a
0: good promoter. Did you fight on that undercard with Corey? I did. Night? Okay, it's one of my biggest regrets. I was at the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Because it was on Fox. It was the Eagles and Patriots, but we covered it because it was on Fox. And I was down there that week. Brian Burwell and I were in Jacksonville, and we missed it. It was a Friday night, I believe, the Corey Spinks fight at the Enterprise Center, whatever it was called back then. And you were part of it. You yes. would have been, what, 16 years old or True, something? Yeah, you a I, kid. Was, I was a, kid. I oh, was a but, kid. But you got to be in that building. Yes, it was amazing. What's your dream, to one day create another event like that? Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. 2005 was the year that they created it. was a sellout crowd, 22,000, I think. It was it Zab Judah? Zab Judah, Against yes. Corey, okay. It was an ama- electrifying night, man. I don't think you can redo that. I I don't think you can redo it, but you can come close. You can do something that will light a fire that resembles that, but I think that's a a once-in-a-lifetime event because everybody, Denzel, everybody was there, so The Rock. uh, So I don't think you can redo it, but I would love to bring a show that will get the city Back to uh, back in love with boxing again. Well, because yeah. we don't
0: have big boxing, yes, big time boxing. Like the Missouri Athletic Club, I love. They'll have a boxing night, but we don't have a real big venue that hosts anything close to that. And there, it's probably there's an appetite for mm-hmm. it, but we just just is not an option. That's funny currently. you say that
2: because I just partnered with the uh, that Mac. The Missouri Athletic at, Club. Uh, yeah. I'll be one of the special guests. They oh, just okay, because that's coming up soon. Yes, because because I, I fought in it and yeah, and i a told him that I, as a wow. kid I, it was an amazing show yeah. and i remember they gave me 30 bucks <laughs> <laughs> they gave, <laughs> tell him you want a little you. more this time was, I,
0: I, you're like 30 dollars, and i'm smelling like a cigar <laughs> Smelling yes, like a cigar yes. the next day it it was
2: it was an amazing <laughs> show when i was a kid getting 30 bucks from a kid oh, you were happy yeah man where i come <laughs> from i was like no trophy you give me a cat oh keep snap, that trophy man. <laughs> man thank you thank you can i fight her again you know so uh, but it was an amazing show like it was a show i remember yeah because i got cash for it they, they like, call them
0: smokers i think because back yeah, in the day there should be the ring <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me have a final thought here you mentioned rocky Marciano. i'm thinking of like raging bull and and or when it was at a different rocky i get mixed up but Movie-wise, does anybody do boxing justice? We've seen Michael Jordan, the new Michael Jordan, does all the boxing with mm. the, the new Rockies or Apollo, whatever. The Raging Bull is a class. There've been so many. Do you do you watch films? Have you seen any that have done it right, done it justice? Did you uh, watch, was it the Fighter was the one uh, recent years one mm-hmm. a bunch of oh, that actor that's always uh, in character, and I'm forgetting his name. What a great actor, but. Um, Are there any movies that you really like that portray boxing the right way?
2: I I love those movies. I watch those movies all All the time. There's motivation in it because it does have a boxing feel to it. But... Th- there's Hollywood. nothing like the Hollywood. real, yeah. There's nothing like the real thing, you know. Sylvester, Stallone, I mean, Sylvester Stallone never had a fight before, right? Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan, I don't, and I don't think they'll last in a real boxing ring. Right. A, but I love those movies and I don't want to. It's not a knock to them. Sure. I'm glad they made them. You can tell they're not
0: true boxers, yes, yeah. and, or that yes. they haven't been in the ring, yes. But it's good for the sport. And that's why them. I
2: say I'm glad they did it because it got publicity to boxing i love boxing and i'm glad that they did it because it did it did did bring a positive light into boxing so
0: well devin great to have you in studio devin alexander former welterweight champion st louis's own he's got the event april 6th at harris stowe and it's really important to show up because the whole theme is for kids fight in the ring not in the neighborhood best of luck as well with the gym and the foundation and getting all that up and running and uh, appreciate you being here.
2: Thank you, Martin, for having me. You, you know what? You remember I race? Yeah, oh yes, we huh? Ran a Huh? Uh, we were out <laughs> we at
0: Forest Park. Somehow, I had to help run a 5K. Like, look at this guy; <laughs> he could run a 5K in his sleep. Yeah, and they and it was cold as ice. Yes, it was. <laughs> and I, he, Maybe it was five miles, because like back then, I could probably do 5K, but the yeah. five miles, I think it was five miles, and by the yes, three-and-a-half yeah. marker, I was like dragging, <laughs> and this guy's up there wiggling around. Come on, man. Come, come on. on. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I was I remember cheering that. you on, champ. I was yep. like, you can finish, Martin. You got it. You got it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I had forgotten all about that, and look at me now. What uh, happened? Uh,
2: <laughs> it was an amazing time, amazing yeah. event. Hey, Rankin th- and Jordan. Th-
0: th- yeah, it was all for yeah, Rankin Jordan. Yes. You're right. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, my man. If you're the market for a new furnace, I have great news for you. I know it's not great news that you need a new HVAC unit, but now is the best time to get one from AAA Home Services, the best rebates of the year available to you right now from AAA Home Services, an independent American Standard Hegan air conditioning dealer. These folks can hook you up. They've been doing this in St. Louis now for 50 Four years. Part of our great Mizzou coverage throughout the year on KTRS, AAA Home Services, can not only get you a great rebate on your next furnace, they can help with all your repairs, and that includes appliance repairs, electrical, plumbing. There's so many different things that can go wrong at the home. Trust me, I can't fix any of them. It's nice to have AAA at our disposal to fix every single thing in the house. AAASTL.com is the website dot com or call 636-397-3200. 636-397-3200. AAA Home Services for all your home needs, and especially right now, if you've been on the fence, you know it's time, you've been putting it off, check out those great rebates available right now at AAA Home Services. And Brandon Weese is alongside KTRS Sports Director, and uh, i got to get to a random thought that I had at the beginning because I never go back to those thoughts. Is the Mizzou roster just sort of confusing? I realize Sean East was their dominant scorer for a minute now. Tamar Bates has emerged. But other players get in there,
3: I don't know who they are. You mentioned uh, Kurt Lewis maybe. Lewis, is that what? Yeah, so he he plays sparingly, played 12 minutes last night. He's the reigning Juco player of the year, and he's gotten very little run. I'd like to see more of him. He um, six rebounds last night for a team that doesn't rebound the ball particularly well in 12 minutes. Maybe he gets more run. You mentioned Jordan Butler, one of the top freshmen. He started uh, last night, got three points. He rebounded the ball okay. Um, Are they trying new things? Is that, is that what's I mean, going have on? have to, right? right. It's, it's really... Um, you said it. I think Ben has said it. You just kind of you hope to wipe the slate clean and start anew new next year, but There's no guarantee. you You can't do that. And I've given them a lot of slack. They do play hard. And losing Tanji before really, I mean, he was compromised the minute he started, hurt his foot in the summer. And before that, Gates said he was their best player. I thought Caleb Grill brought a real edge to the team. You lost him with the arm injury. Uh, at the Wichita game, he had really started to put things together at that point. That was a big loss, but it doesn't explain how this team has seemingly gotten worse. They're worse on the offensive end. It it it's like a it's a it's a chore every time down the floor just to create a halfway decent look. They uh, they take too much time in the half court. It's it's tough, but I feel like a lot of that goodwill from last year. I mean, you understand there was going to be a step back. Kobe and Des Demoy Hodge both go to the NBA, sure. but man, when it's been a dramatic, it's a dramatic step back, and, and you've really lost that momentum uh, that you had built up. And uh, golly, that's a, that's a shame. And I, I think there's um, there's going to be a lot of work then to get back to where you were next season and you said it. It's asking a lot just to assume this great freshman class is suddenly gonna win. You you may be a couple of years away.
0: I said it to McGraw this morning. It's almost as if in the past year Drinkwitz and Gates crossed each other, one going up, one going down, because yes. it was all about Dennis Gates. And then Drink has this great season and then Gates follows that with a really rough ride here so far. In the SEC, and now the buzz has shifted dramatically. It's incredible. Isn't it? It's like this this seesaw. Like, whoop, now we're over here. F- oh, football's way up. Basketball's down. Wouldn't it be nice to get them both up at the same at the time? Same time? Uh, the Nico deal is now official. The Nico Giocchini going over to play in Italy. SC did announce that. It just, I guess, took all the paperwork to kind of finalize that. I still think that's an issue, though. Like, a guy who's
3: one of your best scorers. Oh, by the way, he's leaving for Europe. Good for him. Bad for the team. Bad for the team in the immediate in the immediate future. I know they're trying to find a replacement, uh, a transfer coming back the other way. You've got some young guys that uh, maybe eventually grow into that role. But right, you can't simply replace ten goals. That's like you know to borrow uh, hockey parlance, where that's that's like a fifty or you know that's like a fifty goal score. It's like a right. forty home run hitter in baseball. Ten goals is a big deal in the MLS, and, and you just don't replace it with um, you know trying to slap something together. It's, um, it's going to be difficult.
0: I thought the line of the day, uh, Dan Miller, who does the Detroit Lions games, when I said people are kind of pulling for Detroit, kind of the city vibe thing, the Midwest, and he said, we haven't really harmed anyone along the way because <laughs> the Lions were always the patsies, right? It's interesting, and I hadn't thought of it that way they really don't have enemies because they've just always been losing. And it's like, Hey, good for them. Like nobody's saying, I'd hate to see Detroit win. And, Maybe if you're an Ohio State fan,
3: but otherwise, who cares? Right. Way back when they were fun to root for when they had Barry Sanders. So I feel like they they were always a like a secondary or maybe a third team for me to watch and kind of root for. So yeah, it'd be easy to do it again this weekend. Always
0: had a guy. Billy Sims was great, then Barry Sanders was great, then Calvin Johnson was great. They just never did anything with those uh those star players. All right, what's coming up on the big sports show? Tiger
3: Talk. We'll dig into with Coach Gates coming up, uh coming up next, and then we'll talk some golf in the eight o'clock hour here on the big 550 all right that is the plan the kill Coin conversation coming your way again thursday at six